Y'all, I have pretty limited social media expertise. I am on Facebook, I'm on Instagram and Twitter and Nextdoor and Snapchat. <laughs> but I rarely use Twitter. And on Nextdoor and Instagram, I'm mostly a stalker. I very rarely post anything of my own. And I got a Snapchat account primarily because I missed my kids. That's where they live now, is on Snapchat. I use Facebook the most, but again, primarily I use it just to check in and see what other people are up to or to promote the church. I'm not one of those people who regularly shares their daily experience or their deepest thoughts. I've never been very comfortable sharing anything really personal on Facebook. It always feels so exposed to me, and I don't really want some contentious debate to be sparked on my feed, so mostly I stalk and I like what other people post. Last month, on week one of today's worship series, Like, Share, Follow, Youth and Faith, Ashley Mangold preached, and she shared um, her faith journey. She talked about the moment that she liked and subscribed to Jesus. And for her, the confirmation process, and in particular, her mentor, drew her closer to God and deepened her faith a fate that sustained her through some hard times that came later in her life. And she reminded us in her sermon that it takes the whole community of faith. It takes all of us investing ourselves, investing our time and energy in relationship with our youth if we're going to cultivate a vital faith that's going to sustain them for a lifetime. For me, she was an inspiration I think for many of you too, based on what I heard afterwards. And that's important because it's easy to get discouraged, especially when sometimes we look around and we wonder, where are all our youth? Sometimes they seem absent, absent in church. So we begin to wonder if the church, if we, Christ's body, are really forming the faith of our young ones. I mean, are they getting it? Do they understand who God is and why being in relationship with God and trusting God and participating in a community of God's people is so vital to a rich and full life? Ashley gets it. Her witness gives me a lot of hope. I liked and shared her sermon on Facebook. It's still out there if any of you missed it and you want to watch it. Today is week two of that same series, and my focus today is on share. So I want to talk to you for a few minutes about what the youth have shared so far with the Youth Discernment Steering Committee in the first stage of our discernment process. If you missed the article in the last newsletter, or if you've missed some of the information that's come out in a few of the weekly emails, you might be wondering, what's the Youth Discernment Steering Committee? Well, I'm glad you asked. One of the church goals um, is to better know our youth in our congregation and in our larger community so that we can understand how to better relate to them and how to better support them in life and in their faith development. So we have um, a consultant from Austin Presbyterian Theological Seminary. His name is Reverend Dr. David White, and he is guiding us through a process of prayerfully listening that's essentially what discernment is. 
We are prayerfully listening, listening with the ears of our heart to our youth and to God. We listen to our youth so that we will better understand who they are, so that we'll better understand their challenges and their needs, and that we'll better understand what brings them joy. There are five youth who are serving on the steering committee, and they are helping us listen. They're helping us listen really well. Um, if you're on the youth, or if you're one of the youth on the steering committee, would you please stand up? So we have three of them here today, Ashley and Emma and Luke. Thank you, you can have a seat. And Bryce Walker and Peter Fox are also on that team. So we are listening to God so that uh, we can hear how God is calling Westlake United Methodist Church, how God is calling us, you and me, to respond to the needs of our youth and to better support them in their challenges and to celebrate with them their victories, to celebrate with them the things that are exciting to them and bring them life. So in our listening process, first, we listen to uh, Reverend White as he shared the history of adolescence with us, which I found fascinating. I had no idea that we didn't even have the word adolescence until 1903. We didn't have the concept. Before the industrial age, youth were much more connected to and had a significant role, a significant social role in the community. From a very early age, they did work that was seen as important for the whole community and their transformation from childhood into adulthood was a lot more seamless than it sometimes feels today. And then during the industrial age, children were diverted more and more to high schools for learning. Between 1930 and 1940, the percentage of our youth who were in high school went from 20% to 80%. And y'all, I'm not saying that education is the enemy, but over time, more and more distance has grown between adolescents and their parents and their elders. And the amount of time between childhood and adulthood has, has increased as well. And the transition from adolescence into adulthood has become a lot more complicated to navigate. And these trends have become reflected in the church as well. Over time, the church has shifted the youth out of the center of its life. I mean, the youth now, they've got their own room, it's out there in that building, they've got their own Bible study, they've got their own activities that they do. I mean, it's no wonder in some respects that we've kind of lost touch, that we've lost sight of who our youth are and how to connect with them. After listening to Reverend White, we began to listen more directly to our youth. And some of the ways that we've done that is through personal interactions. We've had one-on-one -on -one conversations with our youth. Um, some of us on the steering committee, the older people, we have participated in some of the youth activities to get to know them. We've intentionally observed the youth that we encounter just in our daily lives. And then we also, as a committee, with the help of the youth on the committee, we developed and distributed a survey. And the responses that we got back were very interesting. In some ways, they weren't all that surprising, but because of the number of similar responses, it really began to drive home for us how important some of these needs and desires are of our youth. 
We invited our youth to submit a picture or a short snippet of a video about things that bring them joy in life and things that bum them out. The things that came up the most as we began to analyze all the data that we received were these. First of all, and this won't be a surprise to you, but the youth are stretched. They are crazy busy. They're under a lot of pressure and it stresses them out. We also learned, again, not surprising, that for the youth, their friendships and relationships are vitally important. Of course, the relationships with those who are their same age and who share common experience, but the piece that was a little bit surprising to me is that our youth value and actually long for better relationships with their elders, with their parents, with others in their community who have more experience who have wisdom to share about living and navigating all that they're dealing with right now in life. They're the relationships that, that uh, became so significant for Ashley that helped form her faith. And then we also learned, of course, we suspected this going in, but it was confirmed that our youth, they're pretty amazing. They are so bright and full of energy, full of ideas, and many of them are quite savvy. I mean, they know what's going on in the world around them, and they are deeply invested. They want to be a part of what's going on in the world. They want to play a role in social change. Two of our youth were recently caught on video making a difference in the world. Luke Arney, um, the young gentleman who helped me welcome you all this morning, he was recognized just a couple of weeks ago by KVU, by KVU 5 as a kid who cares. I want to show you just a snippet of the video so you can see what he's been up to. I would love to pass on the reading to other kids. That's like something that's vitally important because if they're able to understand and know how to read, then they can prosper in the future and they can do so much better than they possibly could have ever done without these resources. Luke is a busy teen. He's already logged more than 400 community service hours. His volunteer work includes collecting plastic utensils for the Ronald McDonald House, time at the animal shelter, and help and provide meals for mobile loaves and fishes. Right now, he's making his mark in the record books with his nonstop volunteer work. And he's part of the next generation of kids making a positive impact in our world. So that was... And then just a few weeks ago, I'm sure that all of you are aware that there were these national school walkouts, right? And a lot of kids here in Austin participated in that as well. And there were quite a few of our youth who were at that event. They, were down, they went downtown and they gathered so that they could march on the Capitol and advocate for gun safety. Jemima Abalogu was actually the opening speaker. And I want you to hear just a little bit of her speech on the Capitol steps. This doesn't end here. I have heard from too many students that believe that this will create no change that just because our, we're leaving our classrooms, we won't say anything, we won't change anything. This isn't just us skipping class. This is about demanding.
This is about demanding and creating lasting change. Jemima's hiding behind that computer back there. Y'all can say hey to her after the service. Our kids are amazing. They are so engaged. They care so much, so much about our world. They care a lot about each other and about developing strong relationships. And for those who've been around the church a little while, I think they're engaged in their faith. They want to understand it more. They want to understand how to apply it to their lives, how it can strengthen them throughout their lives. They have a lot to share with us just as we do with them. You know, Eric Erickson said, it's not only true that a parent raises a child, it's also true that a child raises a family. And then, he wasn't the first one to think up the idea. In Proverbs 20, 29, it says, the glory of youths is their strength, but the beauty of the aged is their gray hair. I really like that part. <laughs> because y'all, I have roots, lots of them. But we have so much to learn from each other. And in a community of faith, we shape one another. The youth shape and form us as much, every bit as much as we shape and form them. There was an overarching theme that emerged as we were doing our work, listening, these past few months, and that was that many youth they don't see church as relevant. They don't understand how it matters or why it makes a difference or how it can inform all the areas of their life, how it can inspire them and give them strength, how it can bring them peace in times that are troubled. Unlike Ashley, many who have grown up in the church, they don't get it. And we need for them to get it. The psalmist gets it. The one who wrote Psalm 71, he gets it. If you read the very first verses of the psalm, you will find that the psalmist is in trouble. The whole first 13 verses of that psalm are a cry to God for help. There's some danger lurking or some challenges that are facing them, and they need deliverance. They're asking for deliverance from their troubles. And then they turn. In the middle of the psalm, they shift their focus. That's right at the beginning of our reading, to the memories of their experience of God throughout their lifetime. They praise God, who has taught them since their youth. They sing God's praise to remind themselves, and I thought this was interesting, to cause others to remember that's one of the reasons they praise God, is so that others will begin to recognize all the amazing deeds that God has done. The psalmist becomes a witness to God's sovereignty and faithfulness as they remember and share their experience of God. That even when times are tough, even when all evidence seems to indicate otherwise, God was in charge in their lives. The psalmist knows that in remembering everything that God has done for them, in remembering all that God has blessed them with in the past and all the times that God has rescued them in the past, they find hope for the present. 
The psalmist wants us, those who hear the psalm, to experience that same hope. A hope that emerges from a lifetime of learning about and growing in relationship with God. A lifetime of noticing God's presence in our lives, of noticing God's activity in our lives, of listening for God's invitation. Where would God lead us now? It's a practice that's taught ideally beginning at a very early age. It's a practice that if we're shaped and formed by it from the very beginning becomes second nature. We, Christ's body, the church, must share life in meaningful ways with our youth and we need to do it on a consistent basis. We're learning that it's the people of God this community of faith that will make the biggest difference in the lives of our youth. We have to find ways to draw them back into the center of our lives and the center of the life of the church so that we can grow together in Christ and we can share faith and become the witness that has been taught since their youth about the many mighty wonders and deeds of our righteous and faithful God. Amen.